Lawrence, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Get pumped. Get amped. It's time to do another episode of Commander Cast. Are you ready? Here we go. Hello, everyone. And Why aren't we going? I, Why aren't we going? I was literally going. I was literally going, and you interrupted me. You threw a speed bump right in my way, Calvin. What the actual hell? Oh, oh, now you, now you got nothing. Yeah, you took too long to go. You just took too long to go, and Skype cut out on me. See, look what you've done. Even Skype is bored of this conversation now. I blame you. Bored of the conversation? We just started the conversation. You have put you, the internet to sleep. You got worse ADD than I do. If you're if you're bored of the conversation already, I'm gonna go again. It's like Ted. It's like Ted DiBiase's in this bitch. It's like you were coming by and just kind of wrapped it around the internet and just put it in the million dollar dream and it just fell asleep right in your arms. Wait, what? Ted who? Wrestling reference. Shut up. Start the show. Hello everyone and welcome to the mechanic. Okay, hey, yeah. Welcome to Mandercast. Mandercast, the manliest podcast this side of Commander. Because Machizo is the punchline. <laughs> Damn it, William. <laughs> okay. One more. Okay. Right, are we going to do this or are we going to do this? Take, take three. I got this. I got this. <clears throat> take seven is more like it. We've got a show to do. I'm doing it. Hello. You're doing it bad. Son of a... I was... This is your fault. You can't blame me for this one. He just opened Double Gory, son. He's done. <laughs> Double Gory, son. And dude, I almost got screwed over today because of that. And technology. So, I think that we're, we got a little Commander Cast connection there. It's tenuous. Tenuous at best. Episode 238 for your weekly source for community, strategy, and technology, hosted on mtgcast.com and our home site, commandercast.com. We're recording this on February 24th, 2016. I am your host of the show, William, and with me is my perennial co-host, Calvin. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, everybody. It's Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Red Zone around the internet. I'm bringing all of the fiery brimstone that a red player could possibly bring to the internet. Let's see, this week on Commander Cast, we'll be talking about some random stuff and some random things. Why? Because we're random people. And also because we're randomly missing a co-host again. Yes. I... The internet has decided to take everything away from us. First it stole Mark, then it stole our black guest list book, and now it sneak- sneakingly walked in and kidnapped Clay. We have no idea where he is. We will find you, Clay. Hold on tight, buddy. We're coming for you. Just came in, stuffed the pen into a sack, and ran off. That's so needlessly cool. Gross. All right, then. That's actually damn gross. So, we're going to go ahead and just get right into it. The first thing is, of course, our favorite commanders of this week. Calvin, who's your favorite commander this week? Let's see here. I had one right here. Oh, no, there we go. <coughs> Excuse me. Slightly sick. Pulling open the box. Favorite commander for the week is going to be Marin of Clan Naltoth, or Naltoth, or whatever. However you pronounce it, I don't care. And the reason why is because I've gotten her, and before I had a green-black... Uh, Golgari deck. Golgari is a green-black clan, right? The yep. guild. Yep. Yeah, I had a green-black Golgari deck I had built before. It was based around, like, graveyard shenanigans and dredge and all that other fun stuff. And I was like, you know what? This deck would need 
This deck needs a commander that also loves the graveyard. Give me a chance to get some of those dread creatures back for free. And you know what? She's been pretty good there. And you know, a few cards from her deck has um, found their way into here. No complaints. No arguments. I'm not going to say there's anything negative about it. But in the same token, the deck pretty much works the way I would have expected to. And it's pretty damn cool. I suggest trying her out with some dredge. Alright. Alright, so I'm actually looking forward to getting my Marin deck. We sold out of the Daxos and the Mizzix deck at the store. We've got like three, maybe four copies of Marin left in the store, so I'm gonna pick one up soon, and I'm gonna stick her into Carador, cause I think that's gonna be really good. Actually, it'll probably be the yes. best chance I can to try out one of the, uh, experienced counter commanders, only at, not as the commander. Mm-hmm. You see, thing is, I need to get, uh, Mizzix and one other one. Who was the other one? The green black one, uh, Azorius. Uh, uh, no, who who's the green black one? The green black one that, is, yeah, those... is Marin. You're talking about the green blue one, is Zuri? Yeah, I need the green blue one and I need the red blue one. Those uh, are the only two of the of this year's product that I'm currently missing. I got two things on Azorius, but that's okay. I intend on getting a hold of them soon. I got two things on Azorius so far. One is that I'm seeing quite a bit of. Azuri presence online when I'm doing like the uh, the alpha build videos. I'm seeing him like every other match so far. Way more than I'm seeing any of the other experienced commanders. Which is a little odd, but you know, a lot they do a lot of cool stuff, like they'll play a, a Triton Shore Stalker, which is the stupid one one unblockable from Theros. But it becomes an eight eight unblockable as soon as they hit combat. Yeah. That's kind of ridiculous. But on top of that, uh, I was just talking to Stark before we started recording, and he's like, yeah, I really want to build green-blue Azuri Elves. Now, you know, listen, now, uh, hear me out here, Will. Blue gives you clone effects, so you can copy the Elves and all these other shenanigans. You can copy, like, your Elvish Visionary to draw cards, or you can copy Lords, or all kinds of other silly things. I'm like, that's actually genius. That's actually just stupid genius. So, so what you're basically saying is, is that any color combination with blue, you can build that tribal deck with blue in it, and then just use all the clones and stuff to kind of copy them. Although now like that like red, th- blue goblins. Yeah. Although now that I think about it, it would almost be a nombo to clone the lords in Azuri, because if you clone too many of them, then they're not going to trigger Azuri. Like you're only going to be able to have one lord if you want to keep triggering Azuri. Gotcha. Ah, yeah, because the creature's powers would be lower than, would be too high for what Xuri's looking for. Yeah. Alright, so going on... But, this, but in, that, in that particular deck, I don't think you'd even want the Lords then, would you? Well, I mean, no, you probably would have, like, well, maybe no, you, one or two, but... Yeah, you would still want some of the Lords, because some of the Lords, like, uh, Elvis Archdruid, and, uh... There was another one that gave him Forest Walk. But you would generally want more Lords so that you can pop them up. Hmm. Is there, like, a way where you can change that number from two? I don't think. I mean, so. there's got to be like this. Got this. Got to be like a blue spell, like artificial intelligence or something like that, that'll let you like make some type of alterations to increase that number. You know what? You'd probably just save the lords to be like an overrun effect. I want to say, because you could use that with the. Uh, I think it was the rampage or something. There was an elf that you could tap to give target creature plus X plus X where X is the number of elves. Uh, well, it'd be awesome with, with, stamp, with uh, overwhelming stampede. Oh, that, that was the other thing. Blue gives you uh, Xenograft. So all the random wolf and bug tokens and all that stuff, so they start making mm-hmm. elf tokens, which means that all the elves get even better. And by better, I mean just stupid. Like, literally just stupid. You're just, you're just stupid. I'm Ow. sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Ow! Actually, yes, I did. Fuck you, William. What? What the hell? Where the hell is this coming from? Nothing. Nothing, just me just being a dick. Yes, you are. Continue. Okay. 
Oh, by the way, I'm looking through the tokens for the dual decks right now. It comes with five humans, an angel, a spirit, and three zombies. That is not nearly enough zombies. Needs at least one more zombie. Yeah, they never, they never give you enough zombies. No, but I do have one particular zombie in mind for my favorite command this week, and that's Nekazar the Mind Razor. Now, it's been a little while since I've actually Dude. played said Shut up, Navi. Don't you hear grown men's is talking? You need to learn to sh- fuck up when you hear grown men speaks, Navi. Continue, William. Right. So, Nekazar's a deck that I, hasn't, I haven't played in a while, but I'm looking through some of the older cards, especially with the, the Alpha Bill and some of the old stuff I'm sifting through at the store, and I keep thinking, huh... The more that I want this to just be the game show from hell, the more I actually just want to make it a deck about choices, right? Like, not necessarily the Punisher-type effects, like the, the um, uh, not Brutalized, you know, the one where someone has to take five damage or you draw three cards, but more stuff like, uh, uh, well, let's see, I'm going to look this up real quick. I think it's Baron's Revenge. Bear's Revenge? Baron's, uh, something. It was a, it was a sorcery, or I want to say two in a black? It was two in a black, or Baron's Spite, okay. Garen's Spite, which is a two blue black sorcery. Choose two target creatures controlled by the same player. They have to sack one and return the other to their hand. So, when I make Nekazar, I kind of want to make a deck that forces people to make a lot of difficult decisions. You know, make them jump through hoops. And just really make it the game show from hell. So, I'm actually kind of really intrigued by that. I'm finding some really cool toys. Like, there's a, um, uh, a black rat from Kamigawa, the Locust Miser. He's a 4-cost 2-2, but each opponent's maximum hand size is reduced by 2. So even though Nekazar's drawing you extra cards, you have to decide which cards you want to keep, and you have fewer options to keep. So I think that's actually really cool. And then... See, it, this this kind of reminds me of a deck that I had written up a long time ago. And it was like a Sphinx-based deck, and it just had a whole bunch of like Sphinxes and choice cards in it. They gave people the option to do different things, do one or the other. I have, a, I have to I have to look it up. If it it's on my old blog site, and it might take me a while to find it. But if I locate it, I'll send it over to you. Okay. And I just got an email back from Clay, and he's not able to do it tonight just because tonight he's been kind of rough on. So I'm gonna let him know that's fine. Just let us know. And I'll just let him know that we were a little concerned that he hadn't shown up yet. So just let us know, and it's fine for him to take the time off. All right. So that does it for our favorite commands this week. If you guys want to follow along with any of the conversations we have here, you can go ahead and hit us up in the comment section of the show. Uh, Keen Honkey and, oh, let's see, I keep forgetting, what was it? What was it? Was it, was it, was it I'm actually going to take a look at our comment section real quick. We have two regular guys down there. It was... Jeremy, there we go. Jeremy Kane Honky, those two guys, they're always hanging around in our com- comment section. So if you want to go ahead and get in there, too, by all means, go ahead and hit down to the comment section below our show notes. We also have, like, the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Reddits, and also, apparently, now the YouTube portals. I'm doing my best to make sure we get the episode, main podcast episodes up there. I'm, let's see, right now it seems like I get them up no later than Tuesday night, I want to say. But, hey, if you also like... If you like what we do here, and I mean you really like what we do here, and you think it's worth a little bit to support us, go ahead and support us. Give us a and... tip. Yeah, there we go. Just a tip. One dollar. Slide that bad boy in there into our Patreon. And if you want to slip a little bit extra in there, we won't mind. Because we have tiers where you can slip in a little bit extra. And what are the names of those tiers again, William, for oh. our listening audience? Oh. There's just a tip, which is a dollar. Let me go ahead and pop over to the Patreon profile real quick. I did not have that readily available. Ah, uh, you stink. 
Well, while he's doing that, I currently have 37 full art forests, 22 full art plains and mountains, 27 full art islands, and 40 full art swamps. And 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 7, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19 full art waste. All right, and right now, let's see, we have $1 just the tip, 2 is, whoops, a little extra slipped in, $3 is the whole booster pack. Thank you for spending a whole booster pack on us. But if you're spending at least $5 or more, you're going to get access to the alpha build videos that I'm doing up to a week early, I want to say. Right, let's see, I just posted, I mentioned the links were up there on Monday. The videos are coming out on Friday for YouTube's. So that's about the time frame I'm working on. And if you're donating at least $10 or more, you're going to get the exclusive videos that I'm doing with the alpha build. Uh, let's see, I actually recorded one just last night, and it wasn't a bonus game like I've done for the last two videos, but it was more of a set review type thing, where I went and I looked at the cards that I could include into Avacyn from Legends, which is going to be the next set that I'm going to update her with. And I went in there with the mindset of, okay, we're going to look at upgrading Avacyn, how do each of these cards stack up to putting into her deck list? So you actually get a little bit of a mini set review, kind of a, one, uh, I want to say in the flavor of the uh, retro lookbacks that we were doing a while ago, much a while ago, actually sounds like a year or two ago. Like, wow. So yeah, you get like bonus set reviews, which is something I'm working on. I'm also going to work on the uh, the TeamSpeak software, so if I can see if I can get like Eric, aka Grandpa Growth, and Mark, you know, maybe get some of our uh, Moto guys from from Commandcast onto there for some bonus games. You know, you actually get to see us play games with each other, which is really exciting. Okay, so that about does it for all that. So today's community segment. We're going to bring about an older debate, which is, is there a worse color, and which color is that? Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Okay, William, so here's a question for you, right? Yep. Now, you know how they have, like, those basic lands, the basic land box at the local shops for drafters? So you come in, you crack some packs. There's a box over there in the corner that just has a bunch of basic lands. Yeah, you we can got pull that. a basic land out of and go ahead and just use it so you can build your deck and draft with, right? Mm-hmm. Do waste go in that box? No, they don't. And why not? Because, one... They're basic lands? They're basic lands, but, one, you have to draft them in your deck. Like, that's actually a rule. They don't go in the basic land slot. They aren't going to be available at your land station. So, no go. You have to draft okay. your basic lands. So, what about, like, after... What so what about after Zendikar? What? And after, like, Open the Gate Watch? Well... Still a basic land. It's still a basic land, but because they're such a unique card, I would... What I'm doing is I'm keeping them separate from the other cards, and I'm keeping it in our standard case right now. And when they rotate out of standard, I'm going to move them to the land section of the rest of the cases, so that they're easily easily found. Like, if we just stuck them in with the rest of the basic lands, it'd be like, hey, I want some uh, basic ways. Well, I don't know where they are or how many we have, so good luck fishing around for them. Gotcha. Now, uh, here's something that I also noticed about the basic ways. Did you notice that the artwork on them are two totally different ones, right? Yep. But did you notice that the patterns on those two different ones are reminiscent of Kozlik and Ulamog? I did not. Let me go ahead and take a look at this real quick. Okay, Diplomacy of Rage, Encroaching Waste, Forsaken Waste, Lanor Waste, Map the Waste, Minion of the Waste, Secure the Waste, Walker the Waste, Actual Waste. <laughs> and let's see. Mm. I can kind of see it. One of them's all 
geometrically, kind of like Kozilek. Oh, hold on. Where is it? There's a, what's the card that has the two of them walking away from the planeswalkers? I forget what it is. It's like a rare or something like that. But anyway, I know that when Ulamog walks and he goes in one particular direction, the land that gets wasted behind him looks like the wasteland that's like all white, jo- dry, and chalky yep. and bone-like. Yep. But when Kozilek walks away from something and he destroys things, his waste have a tendency to be more patterned and maze-like. Huh. I hadn't noticed that. But that actually fits quite a bit. Because, you know, since he's the, you know, like, the reality or whatever it is, or whatever the case, I forget exactly what it is he's entitled to. I know one of them is a ceaseless hunger, and the other one is like a, a butcher, a liar butcher, uh, butcher of lies or something like that. Reality destroyed. Ah, uh, there it is. Uh, look on the card, Ruin in Their Wake. All right. It's a sorcery, and it's green. Oh, yeah. Huh, how about that? Because of that, so because of that, if you look at the basic lands, one of these basic lands is Ulamogs. The other one is Kozilek's. It's the reason why we only have two. Huh, I hadn't noticed that. That's pretty nifty. Right. So, if you wanted to build a, Uzo, a, a Kozilek or an Ulamog-themed commander deck using waste, you now have an idea of which particular waste would be the land that they would have walked on. So flavor-wise, you can just get a whole bunch of that particular land and build a deck for him with his particular wasteland in it, or her, or it. I'm not really sure how you classify the Eldrazi, but I'm going with him and her and it. Let's see, I think Why? it's... Because choice. I think it's that Kozlak and Ulamog generally get clumped as guys, and then Emrakul gets clumped as a girl. Although we could also go by the Futurama reference of Slim and Slur. Slim and slur. There we go. So, in Magic, it's generally considered that there's got to be a worse color. You know, when people ask about, you know, what's the best color type commander, people can go like, oh, you know, blue has a lot of the most busted, powerful cards in Magic, or black does some really good stuff, or just green, green's really good at the ramp stuff. But what's the worst color? Is there, is there a worse color? By definition, there kind of has to be a worse color, because there's obviously a best color. You know, even if the colors have come quite a ways in terms of multiplayer play, you know, what Wizards giving red, uh, some functionality of card draw and all that, you know, just gas from multiplayer, just from them matching around with multiplayer stuff. You know, the, car- the colors have gotten better about multiplayer play, but which one is still the worst? You know, you look at blue, green, and black, and they're easily those powerful cards in Commander. You know, black's got the tutoring effects, to reduce uh, the singularity nature of the decks. Blue's got draw, blue's got the most powerful cards in Magic, just period. Green has all that powerful ramp and really big guys, and all those big guys usually have, like, really awesome effects stable to them. Hell, most of the ban list is, in fact, just blue and green creatures. So, there you go. Which brings it down to red and white. So, Calvin, which color do you feel is worse, white or red, for Commander? Uh, how are you going to ask me that? Those, those are my two favorite colors. All right, so b- before I even go into determining which one, or trying to break down which one's the worst, let's kind of like just look at all five colors in general, right? Right. Okay, so we can't really say blue is the worst, because blue is one of those few colors that have been powerful in Magic forever, and it translates over to EDH because, you know, you get to play all of the cards from whenever up until now, and that just kind of just fe- defeats the purpose of trying to say that blue is the worst, because blue has always kind of been the best. And while granted it's getting a little bit of the shaft now, it's kind of like, you know, it's like putting a Band-Aid over a bullet wound. Yeah, it's kind of helped, but it's not really stopping a large portion of that bleeding. 
And then black is kind of like right there next to blue where, you know, it hasn't gotten all the busted stuff, but it has been pretty good. Hmm. Now, before, we would have said that the worst color in Magic would have been green, right? Would we? Because, I would have. Well, before, because green is so creature heavy. And the best cards in Magic at a particular time were spells and sorceries and instances, enchantments and all that other stuff. And that's heavily in blue and black. Green kind of always, you know, it was okay, but it was always kind of the weaker one. I mean, think of it, right? Mm. When you want to counter something, when you want to counter something, you go to blue. You want to kill something, you go to black. You want to do direct damage and potentially kill something, you go to red. You go to white. White has, like, you know, healing stuff, and it has all these other little weird enchantments and ways of changing the rules. And green just has the fat creature. Well, see, green can still put out, you know, their quality of threats is still better than what the other colors had at the time because it was still, like, the creature color, you know? Like, it could still go wide yes. I mean, with don't get me wrong. or really big with just big stupid beaters that you ramped out really fast. Right, but don't get me wrong. It's like they had that, but, you know, white had another big creature for a moment. And, you know, now green's gotten to the point now where their creatures have abilities attached to them, and green kind of grew up, and it's become one of the better colors. And now it has – now it's basically competing with blue with the most cards on the EDH ban list. Which then kind of makes you look back and say, okay, so now we have to look at red and white. Red in a format like ours has always been kind of weak. Not because of the fact that it's a bad color, but because you can't print anything too powerful because then it would break standard. But then you can't really bring anything too much into multiplayer because then, you know, it becomes kind of difficult to handle when it gets into more like eternal formats. And then you look at like white, and white basically has always been like a really good support color. And it's probably one of the best support colors in the entire format. Absolutely. But then again, white doesn't really, because it's so busy supporting everybody else, it's kind of difficult for it to stand on its own. I mean, it can stand on its own. It does have things to be able to bend the rules and change things around and make new laws and do all other kinds of things that white's into and has the ability to raft the board. But in the same token, it's also kind of more like the, it can play, make the board an even playing field, but it's kind of difficult for white to make it a dominant playing field where white's in charge the full time. See, that's kind of what I want to say. Like with red, they're able to give red some temporary card advantage now, while with the, uh, the Chandra Pyromaster and the Outpost Siege type effects where it's like, yeah, we'll temporarily give you a card. You better use that card now or else you'll lose it. But hey, you got a card for this turn. And Red has a lot of really cool explosive plays. You know, the Ib Goblin Tactician deck is still one of my favorite decks to play. And it just goes, boom, kill people out of nowhere. And there are other decks that can do that. Stuff like Krenko, uh, Kirkesh, I'm sure Quay would say, Quay would say is very capable of doing that. With White, actually, no, Red even got Felden of the Third Cane into Reddy recently. And those decks are hella powerful. You know, the Mono Red Artifact deck is a real thing. But you look and at- Don't forget about Ashley the Pilgrim. Yeah, and there's Ashley the Pilgrim too. She just keeps on coming. When you think of white, white is a very strong support color, but at the same time, there's not a whole lot you can do with white. There's like the Isimaru super aggro, you know, equipment deck. There are other equipment based decks too, like Nahiri and Kemba. You can play a mono white control type build, which is kind of where Abyssin's leading to right now for me with the alpha build. But there aren't too many really strong or aggressive archetypes it lends itself very well to Control or the Super Isamaru Aggro or Voltron, sure. But outside of that, you don't have a lot of flexibility. Part of the reason being that, you know, unless you're using artifacts with Hallimine or anything like that. Uh, William? Yep, yeah, 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 yeah. William? Yes, Calvin? Yes, there. All right, yeah, I'm still here. Okay, recording's still going. 
So, like, fix it in post. Yeah, fix it in post. Like, one of the main reasons that White has problems in Commander is because White doesn't get card advantage. White gets all the answers because White is very much a reactive color. It can answer anything. But you gotta fix that design-wise by not be giving it the ability to get card advantage and just keep drawing answers where it can just completely stall out or control a game. But because it doesn't get that card advantage, it can't keep up with the other colors. Even red is getting a form of card advantage now, temporary, temporary as it is, which is fine. Red doesn't get all the answers. Red gets those little spurts and that helps red out a lot. White doesn't though. Right, and because red gets those little spurts, it does get a chance to fill in and do what it needs to do. But then on the other end of the spectrum, those little spurts in EDH can either A, become extremely explosive turns where you win, or they just, you know, become exactly what they were, like spurts. And now suddenly, yeah, you're in a slightly better position, but you're nowhere near the position you would need to win. No, Outpost Seed is, is so amazing because it just gives Red an extra card of turns. doesn't matter that you would have to play that card if you actually want it. That's fine. In most cases, it actually helps because it's like, okay, I don't want to think through everything I could do this turn. Let's just wait till the Outpost Seed spits out a card for me. What's that card? Okay, what can I do to use that card best this turn? Let's go ahead and do that. And it's fantastic. Yeah, well, that's, an also, that's also a good advantage of Red and having the actual answers to be able to do it. And yes, those spurts do come in terms, and they do, excuse me, leave. And like I said, like they can be used sparingly. But the biggest problem Red would have is the fact that, you know, those spurts can easily eat away at any advantage you did have. And your next thing you know, yeah, there's a card you might not need right now, but because of the way Red does its spurts, next thing you know, that card's not available to you later. And... And because of the fact that, you know, Red, and just because Red can do those spurts is cool, but then, you know, you have those times where it's like Red ate away a card if you need it later, but you can't have it now because Red exiled it or Red tossed it and Red has no way of getting it back now. So they just kind of have to deal with the fact that that just ain't going to work anymore. Okay. So in terms of two card, uh, two color combinations, is Boros just the worst one of the ten then? In EDH? Yeah. Or do you think that together they can actually come together and they're greater than the sum of their parts? Well, I, I still personally think that Boros is greater than the sum of its parts because it's one of those red gets the burst, white can support red in helping it can't kind of take it full advantage of those bursts when it does get it by, you know, raffing the board. So now when red does do its burst, there's nothing out there to stop it. So it's kind of weak, but in the same token, it kind of works. And as far as, like, the color combinations are concerned in Commander, let me run through it. I'd probably say, personally, I would think that the worst combination in Commander would probably be red and blue. You think so? Well, kind of. I mean, blue is there as a strong thing, but red doesn't really support blue in the way that blue would need it. But blue can, being as being the strongest color, can easily overcompensate for red's lack of, um, let's just say, staying power. Well, let's look at it this way, right? Like, red-white can actually deal with creatures because it gets white's board grass. Red does have good red burn sweepers, which the blue-red deck would have. The blue-red deck gets a lot more powerful other sweeper type effects, like you get your upheaval, you get your evacuation. I don't think upheaval is actually illegal. Cyclonic Rift is probably one of the most powerful board sweepers in the game. Mm, Okay, so let's see. I guess, yeah, I guess Boros would probably have to be the weakest of the color combinations. I mean, yeah. red, red, bla- red, black would be fine because you know, red and black can easily do a whole lot of 
randomness and hurt everybody. Blue green is good. Blue white is fine. Blue green is fine. White green would be okay. Green black is okay. Green white, green, green red is okay, I guess. Yeah, I would probably say, yeah, Boros probably is like the weakest combo of the dual pair right now. Yeah, but just because it's the weakest combo doesn't mean that it's bad at all. The red white deck still just kills people when they're not ready for it. I mean, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It, I mean, just because it's on the, just because it's the lower one doesn't mean like it automatically is the worst thing you could possibly be doing. It still works and it still kind of has its things going on where it can still handle itself. I mean, you know, if you named the top, if you named the 10 worst boxers of all time, all 10 of them could probably still whoop your ass. I'm, you know, not necessarily saying that the 10th one is the worst boxer ever, but it's still, you know, someone who could potentially still hold his own and still knock your teeth down your throat if given a chance. Well, I don't know. We were talking about just boxers, period. Yeah, but if we're just talking about boxers, periods, then there's thousands upon hundreds of thousands of boxers in the world. In which case, yes, there is going to be someone out there that you can just look at and be like, yeah, he's the worst boxer in the world, period. Like, he's Glass Jaw Joe. Who actually would just be the worst boxer in the world? Uh, I don't know, but I was using it kind of just as a descriptive term here, William. Not necessarily saying that's the area we should be going into. Well, see, now I'm kind of wondering, who actually w- is just the worst box in the world? And, like, what criteria would you use for that? Would you do just heavyweights or middleweights or just everyone? Like, how would you figure that out in the vacuum? Do you have to use comparisons? Hmm. Okay, so while you're trying to figure that out, because the way magic is set up, there's multiple different color combinations. You know, there's Boros and there's all the various guilds. There's the wedges and the shards, of course. There's five colors. There's monocolored. And there's artifacts as well. And because of the various arrangements of them, Granted, Boros might be the worst in the two-color pair, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the worst deck in general. It could easily probably be just an artifact deck because of the fact that it doesn't have access to all the cool things, and it only really has access to, you know, Eldrazi's and artifacts, and things that can easily be wiped away with a nice board wipe of Justice Warrior artifacts or anything like that. All right, so I think we've pretty much come to an agreement with this one. White definitely is the worst... Between the two, so what we're what we're what we're saying is the worst color, to, the worst color comp, the worst color in Magic right now is artifact. <laughs> Artifacts aren't a color though. Just got, just they, have, they have they have their own basic land now. They count. There's no, six. They, no, that's not a color. That is not no. a color. It's colorless. Exactly. It's, it's rainbow. It is less than a color, which is zero color. That's just racism, William. And I refuse to sit here and take this from you. So we're going to be moving on into our strategy segment. Right. What are we doing in strategy, Will? All right. So give me just one second to make sure that these sleeves are going the right way. Yeah, there we go. I got some oversleeved mats, and they have like a little foggy bit on the other because they shuffle night much more nicely. But you got to make sure that the picture isn't obscured by the wrong side. The picture is always obscured by the wrong side. All right. So, All right. Moving on. So, today in our strategy segment, I wanted to go ahead and talk about something I kind of observed when I was doing the Alpha Project. So, right now with the Alpha Project, I'm at a point where I have about the right number of creatures that I would want. Maybe I need to go a little heavier. We'll see with the adjustments that I make when I do the Legends update. Hold on, are you starting the strategy segment, or are you just yes. moving us into the strategy segment? I am doing the strategy segment. So, you, right. so what is the strategy segment? I am doing that now. So, what is it? It is us looking at uh, the bar for what we have to consider creatures to be looked at and included into our deck. You know, like, what makes a, a creature good enough to play, basically? What makes a card good enough to play? 
And at what point do we say, yeah, this creature is no longer good enough to play? Okay, so with that, now we're going to be moving into the strategy segment. Stay tuned, everybody, and we'll be right back. Okay, and now you can move into the strategy segment. All right, Because, so you know, because we have a thing where we typically tell the listeners what the next segment is going to be at the end of the segment. And, you know, we kind of didn't do that. I asked you, and then you kind of drifted off, and then you just kind of started the segment. Fix it in post. Focus, William. Focus. All right, then. Time travel. So, in our strategy segment today, I'm going to go ahead and discuss kind of a personal observation that I've made when I was working on the Alpha Project, which is, you know, as far as an thought experiment goes, it's actually been giving me some real food for thought here. And the thing that I want to go ahead... Well, let me go ahead and start out with an anecdote. I was looking at the cards for the uh, the Legends update, right? And that involves looking at some of the cards that are obviously going to get cut. Right now, I'm playing stuff like Brass Man, which is a one-mana artifact creature that's a 1-3, and you have to pay one mana to untap it. But you can only do it during your upkeep, which is just kind of stupid. And the recurring theme that I've noticed is that my creatures don't have any impact on the board. Probably the biggest thing I have right now that I see regularly is Sarah Angel or Avacyn herself. Which, for that era, it's actually quite believable. Like, Sarah Angel was actually just a house back then. And she's proven it now because she's just the most powerful thing I can regularly get out on the board. Like, forget Serapindia's, uh, Colossus of Serapindia, which is like a 9-9 for 9, I want to say. But, yeah, Sarah Angel's become kind of the, uh, the bar for what a good creature will look like for the deck. And the deck is just full of so many junky creatures that are in there just because I need creatures. I need bodies. I need creatures to attack and block and just kind of do things with. But the creatures themselves don't have any presence. They don't have an impact. So what I want to ask Calvin here, you know, it's just kind of a bit of a thought experiment. How, what, how good does a creature have to be before you can consider it for a deck? Like, there are cards that are small and they have good effects, like Soccer Tribe Elder, which will, you can sack it to get a land. You know, First Empath, which will tutor up a six-drop creature. There are a lot of, of creatures with spells stapled to them. But what about the creatures themselves? Like, we're playing some of these guys because they're just free value. They're a spell that's stapled onto a body. So you, you might as well use it if you want to use that spell effect. But what about the creatures themselves, Calvin? All right, so as far as the creatures themselves... <coughs> Excuse me. Slowly dying on the other side of the internet. Give me a second. <coughs> Please don't die, Calvin. All right, I think I'm, I think I'm dead. Please don't Am die. Am I dead? No, you're not. Okay. All right, nope. No, I'm not, not dead yet. I'm not quite dead yet. I think he's getting better. So it, I'm, I'm feeling much better now. No, no, he's not. So, so as far as like the creatures themselves, right? One yeah. of my things for it is, is like you know, I would have to like, if for a creature to be something that I would play, it would have to be something that I could look at and be like of interest with it. You know, I don't want to just play like a vanilla creature unless that's exactly the type of deck that I'm building, where it's just all vanilla creatures with like no effects or something like that. It's got to have something that when I look at it, I'm like, you know what? This effect is something that either a creatures typically don't have, you know, some type of uh, effect that feels like an enchantment or it's like a lord effect right. or it's like it's a creature who has some, some type of ability where it's like I have no intentions on attacking with him unless I really have to. But he's here because he does something so special or different from what all the other creatures that I could potentially put in this slot does to the point where he kind of deserves to be here. 
Or B, it has to be a creature that has that does something for my deck that I can't really get anywhere else. Like something along the lines of, like, say, a Deadeye Navigator. Deadeye Navigator would make it into your deck if you're looking for a way to bring creatures in and out of play, right? Right. But in the same token, if you can't really find something that can do that for you, but you can find a Deadeye Navigator that you kind of want to do, then, yeah, go right ahead and put it in because, you know, now you've got it. And as far as, like, because that's not, like, I like my creatures to have, like, impact, or at least something that when I use them, I can actually feel like if I had them, they're almost as good as having a spell in my hand. Right. And that goes... Because there's a lot of points in times, because there's a lot of points in times when you want to raft the board, or you want to do something, you want to get rid of this, you want to kill that thing, you want to destroy that artifact or enchantment. And, you know, yeah, granted, having a naturalized would be fine, but if you had an slime, it would be a little bit better, because not only can you do that, but now you also have a body that can pick up tokens, they can get like a couple plus one plus encounters on it, they can be made into this, they can be cloned, they can be, you know, reused one way or the other. Right. The spell aspect of having, the aspect of having a spell stable to a creature automatically makes that, gives that creature a presence. It gives that creature a, hey, I just showed up, I'm going to do this thing, I did the thing, and I affected the board in some way. But what about the creatures that don't have that spell stable to them? Like, I want to say the Titans are very much a modern interpretation of cards that have just immediate impact, but they still have that kind of spell-like quality stapled right to them. So maybe something closer to, like, a Baneslayer Angel. Baneslayer Angel is one of those hallmark cards where it's like, yes, this is the point where creatures finally caught up with how powerful the spells were. Baneslayer doesn't have any on-play stapled on effect. It's actually just, here she is, she's a 5-5 flying first strike lifelinker. Ignore this stuff about protection from dragons and demons. Just the rest of that makes her... She People have to stand up and take notice of the fact that you have this incredibly powerful card on board. Right, well the thing is, like, with a creature like Baneslayer Angel, of course it's a creature that would be something you would consider putting into your deck because it's one of those creatures... That, while granted it doesn't have an immediate impact on the board, if it sticks around long enough, it can kind of start to take control of the board. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. She has a present. Right, but the thing is, is like, you want to consider Sarah Angel to be the same as Baneslayer, you know? No, not even close. Because, you know, if Sarah Angel shows up, and yeah, if Sarah Angel sticks around, any technically any creature that sticks around long enough can potentially win you the game. You put a 1-1 goblin token on the field, and if nothing happens, that 1-1 goblin can theoretically win the game. But in the same token, if a creature like, say, Baneslayer Angel or or a Chroma shows up, or you have some type of, like, big gigantic demon or fire-breathing dragon that has some type of abilities and stuff like that, then, yeah, they can easily take control of the board just by being there. And you kind of want your creatures to have that kind of an impact. Well, you know, maybe not all of them. You know, yeah, you want the creatures that have that spell like ability where they show up and they do something, and, you know, if they die, they die. And you have the creatures that show up and they're there. You have no intentions on attacking with them. But what they're doing is with their mere presence, they're allowing you to have extra mana or draw some cards or, you know, make your other guys bigger. And then you want cre- and then you also want the creatures that show up and you're like, you know what? This creature is problem A. It's the biggest dick on the board and it's going to do what it does and it's going to kill everything and it's going to win. And it basically demands that your opponents answer it as soon as they can. And if they don't, they're going to have a bad time. It's kind of like a Sarah Ascendant. Where, you know, it's not the biggest creature, but at any given point in the game, if it happens to show up at the right time, it could easily just take over the game and give you such a leading, headstrong position that your opponents can't come back from. 
or at least they'll have a hard time getting back from. You see what I'm saying? Kind of. But in the same token, you don't want it to be like it, – it, it, it's you, it's like, yeah, you could put a giant Warthog in your deck, but in the same token, there's so many other creatures that have trampled that's a six-mana 6-6 six, six, that you could easily play instead of it where you don't really need a giant Warthog. Unless, of course, you're just building, like, a deck that's themed around warthogs or just creatures with trample. In which case, then, yeah, sure, why not? Might as well slot him in because he kind of fits the theme. Yeah. But if you're just talking about just overall, then, you know, the warthog kind of just falls flat compared to other creatures of its genre. No, absolutely. Anytime that you're talking about, like, a theme deck, this discussion just goes right out the window. But what kind of that what's – what's the bar for you? What? How much presence – does a does a car does a creature have to have before you're willing to consider it? Like we, if you talk about the giant warhog, okay, sure, that's not enough presence. A Sarah Angel in today's modern game of age, I'm gonna need something a little more. All right, let's see. If I was going to say what I what creature would need for me to play it, I'd have to you know kind of reiterate what I was saying. Like it'd have to either a have some type of impact on the board that when it comes in, it's something that you instantly notice. Like, it shows up and destroys a land. Shows up, destroys an artifact. Kills a creature. Randomly shows up and spins another creature back to my opponent's hand or the top of their deck or something like that. Because that way, it kind of works as a spell, but it's also a creature. If it doesn't fit into that category, it has to be some creature with some type of utility to it that when it is out there, I can reuse it over and over again. Similar to, like, we were saying with, like, a Deadeye Navigator or, I don't know... Uh, a creature with some type of activated ability that it can kind of abuse and use, or it has to be a creature that has, like, a major, it shows up, and here's the biggest impact that it has, similar to, like, uh, Marin of the Clan of Clan Neltal, where, yeah, it shows up, and you're getting a bunch of stuff for it, but just its presence on the board is just giving you back so much advantage to the point where your opponent really can't do anything unless they kill it. And then anything that falls short of those three points... It makes it into the deck only because, A, I had some extra space and slots available and I kind of wanted to play the creature. B, it's a creature that's on some type of theme, like I'm playing an elf deck and it's an elf. It doesn't fit all those categories, but it does do something of interest, so I might actually want to play it just to see if it works. Or, the, or you know, my third point for that would be like, oh yeah, it's a creature, it's a theme, my theme is double strike, this creature has double strike, so I might as well put it in. So I would say, like, those are, like, the six key points that a creature has to reach in order for me to consider it. If it doesn't, like, cross any of those, it probably probably just ran, ends up in a random junk box or being used as, like, some type of fodder for a tokens or something later. Yeah, and a lot of that's going to be just your basic commons and uncommons, usually from, like, your last draft or something like that. I think that's something fine. So the second half of that is, you know, at some point, we get to a power... You know, our decks become tuned or they reach a certain power level where some of our favorite cards that actually are just really powerful don't make the cut. And the biggest example is probably when I finally cut the white Acroma from Kalia. Like, it's a 6-6 flying first strike haste trample vigilance. Absolutely destroys anything red or black beater. Like, Acroma's just a top tier card. But at the same time, though, she just kind of gets outclassed by some of the other cards that have come out since then. And that's one of the issues with some of the older creatures, because as magic grows and as more cards are printed, better cards are made at different levels. Sorry, And because those better cards are being made at those different levels, certain cards become like, well, well, granted, this card is cool. I can get another creature for it at either a slightly cheaper cost that does either the same thing or something better, or I pay a little bit more mana and get something even more amazing than this. Similar to, like, like, 
I hate to have to keep going back to her, but similar to Sarah Angel. Sarah Angel, at one point, was a bomb. It was the, one of the best creatures you could possibly use. It had flying. It was an angel. It was amazing. And she has vigilance, right? Yeah, she has vigilance. Yeah, so it's like, you know, she could fly, she could attack, she could block. She was big. And at a particular point in Magic's history, she was probably one of the, she was one of the best creatures that you could possibly drop on a field. But then as time grew on, more angels showed up. More creatures with flying showed up. More creatures with flying showed up that had other abilities that weren't vigilance. More creatures just showed up that had flying and vigilance and other abilities. And then at a certain point, it gets into the, now where you look at Sarah Angel, it's like, you were good. You were amazing. You could still be useful. But now your power level has gotten to a point where there's so many other creatures and available things in the slot where you would have gone to the point now where I can't put you in this deck unless I'm literally just putting you in here just for old time's sake. And then it feels like you're kind of like throwing a pity party for the card. You're only doing it just because you want to be nice or because it's a pet card or because you like the artwork or because it's a favorite card. Not because it's the best card for that slot. No, absolutely. I haven't gotten to that point yet with the Alpha Build. But I guarantee you that point is coming. And it's coming, I don't know, maybe in the next few blocks or something like that. Like right now, like I said, Sarah Angel is the bar. I'm looking at these other creatures that I could have. There's like a 3-3 there's a three, three for 6 it has, like, a giant soldier or something like that. It's got pro-red, and if my opponent has a non-token red permanent, it gets plus one, plus one. I look at it and go, okay, so at best, it's a six-mana four-four with protection from red. At best. But Sarah Angel costs one less and has flying and has vigilance. Like, Sarah Angel just completely outclasses so many of the other cards in the deck right now that I'm using her as kind of the base to figure out just how good a card is. And most of them don't hit that bar. When it gets to the point where Sarah Angel is actually just the bottom totem pool, that's when I'm going to realize just how far the creatures have come for that deck. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, because there's going to come a point where, quite frankly, we look at Baneslayer Angel right now. And Baneslayer Angel is a great bar for the moment. It's a creature that has all these amazing abilities. It shows up. It can do everything it can. But even in magical history, the very next year, Baneslayer Angel was completely outclassed by six titans. Well, five titans and a worm coral engine to the point where yes baneslayer was an option to play but she barely saw any play at all because why play her when you could be playing sun titan or primeval titan or or grave titan or worm coral engine or you know inferno titan or frost titan because you know like yeah you could be playing her but you get so much more with just one more mana yeah so so i inevitably believe there will come a point in time where we'll be having this conversation, and we'll be looking back and we'll be like, you know, I remember when Bane Slayer Angel was the bomb. And now it's kind of like falling into Sarah Angel's position. And I hate to see what would happen, what, what's going to happen when we look back and see Sarah Angel. Uh, see, that's actually the thing I, uh, the other thing I want to bring up is that the Titans are actually just the bar for EDH right now. You go, okay, this thing costs six mana, eh, but I could just have a Titan. Unless you're in green. Unless you're in green, in which case... Well, you just play Worm Coil Engine. Yeah, I was about to say, you just play Worm Coil Engine, and you're like, well, I still kind of have a Titan. I just got one out on turn three or four. Yay! So, that's our strategy segment. Calvin, did you have any other th- thoughts on that? Uh, not really. Any creatures that you decide to play, go right ahead. Enjoy. Do what you have. Do, do what makes you feel good. You know, just remember, this is just our personal opinions about what we think makes a creature acceptable. You may have your own. And if you do, feel free to hit us up in an email. Contact information is at the end of the show. Right. And you can always just make a fun theme deck for those older cards that, you know, like the Sarah Angel, will sometimes fall out of favor. Or even the Chroma when I made the second 99 
for Kalia. In fact, I made a all common and uncommon Kalia deck just so I would have a place to put the uh, the foil Star Angel I got. So ne- that's our strategy segment. Next up, we're going to our technology segment, and we're, it's kind of a continuation of our of the topic we just had. We're going to talk about the cards that we used to love but have just been completely outclassed since their release. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. I'm gonna... Cars that we used to love, but have simply been outclassed. Hmm. Yeah. So for me, that's a chroma. So now you're making me get up again, William. You bastard. How much would I have to go me? find a car that I loved that's been outclassed. So today in our technology segment, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up by talking about the cards that, you know, we used to love, that have kind of been outclassed, or, you know, maybe they weren't as good as we thought they were going to be, and mine's definitely the former, it's a chroma. I had to cut her out of Kalia when we got the, uh, it was the Obnixilis. The Obnixilis that just punished people for searching the libraries. That card was so cool and so powerful that... It was the final straw. I just couldn't justify keeping the white chroma in my deck. And like I mentioned earlier, she is an absolute house. She's, she's five white, 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 so eight mana total for a six, six flyer, legendary angel. She has, she has flying, vigilance, first strike, trample, haste, protection from red and black. And that's all from memory. You know, I just love a chroma. She's one of my favorite c- cards, just period. But she's not good enough to keep up with just the value that some of these cards are getting. You know, like the uh, the Shadowborn Demon, which is an on-play destroyed our target non-demon. You know, Butcher the Whore, Baneslayer a- Angel, Hell, Master of Cruelties, e- even more expensive ones like the uh, Runescar Demon or the new Linvala. You know, they just give me so much so much more value than what she does. And they come down so much more sooner, even without Kali's help. A Karma comes down... And she just beats face. That's all she's great at. These newer cards that they're coming out with, as far as angels, demons, and dragons, they beat face, and they give you an extra bag of chips. And there's just no way for Chroma to keep up with that. I'm so glad that I have her in my mono-white Avacyn deck. And I'll look forward to when I get to Legion, so I can go ahead and get a copy of her into the Apple Build version. And I'm sure she'll be a staple for a long time there. But in terms of, like, Kalia, where the quality of the creatures is so key... She just couldn't make any more. Yeah, it just kind of, like, leads back into, like, one of the main points we were talking about earlier, where, like, eventually a card has just reached its prime. It still does things that you could have it do, but your heart's no longer in it. There's a few other options out there that just kind of happens to make things a little bit better for you, you know? You just kind of have to suck it up and just kind of move on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the Red version, the red versions uh, met that fate a lot sooner, because the colony deck came with the Red version, not the White. But it didn't take me long for to realize that the red version just wasn't going to make it either. Even with the, just the initial redrafting and rebuilding of that deck. So, Calvin, what's a card that you used to like that's been kind of outclassed? Or maybe you didn't, or maybe it just wasn't as good as you thought it was. Well, a card that I used to like that's kind of just been, let's just say, outclassed. I mean, it does still find its way into the occasional deck here and there. Would be a Johnny Goldmane. Uh, two colors, double white. Planeswalker Johnny has a plus one ability, get two, no, gain two life. A minus one ability, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control, and those creatures gain vigilance until end of turn. 
And minus six, put a white uh av- put a white avatar creature token into play and that creature's power and toughness are equal to your total life. And he starts off with full loyalty. Now, when a Johnny the Goldman first came out, he was the original planeswalker in white. There wasn't really any other options. He was pretty much the best one because he was the only one. But then, you know, shortly after that, we ended up getting Elspeth. And then shortly after that, we ended up getting Gideon. And then we got another version of Elspeth. Then we got another version of Gideon. And we got, you know, another version of a Johnny. And after a particular point in time, Goldmane just kind of became, let's just go with, like, underused. I wouldn't say useless because his minus one ability is still pretty good because, you know, those creatures get to keep those plus one counters, and they also gain vigilance for a turn, which is still fine. But the ability to gain the two life is, you know, no, nowhere near as important anymore. And even if you get him to his point where he ultimates with his, av- uh, with his avatar, it can be useful. But in the same token, the other ones have other ultimates and abilities that are just way more useful and way more game-winning and game-breaking than having a giant creature that can easily just be killed off. Yeah, like, plus one, gain two life. That that's not impactful at all. Like, a lower already does that just by sitting on his ass. Right. And the thing is, like, there was a time where, you know, the plus two gain, with a plus one gain two life wasn't much, but, you know, at least, you know, you could go ahead, get a couple of counters, and you'd be more than willing to have him do the two gain, the life gain thing, just to kind of have him gain a few counters to try to stick around. But at this particular point in the game, there's way too many creatures here that just give you life. And there's other ways to just gain life in such large quantities to the point where, unless you're really doing something with, like, the creepy ghost uncle, just so you can be able to make him bigger because, hey, look, here's another point where you gain some life, he gets a counter, then, you know, it's not really needed. In which case, you could have just used a Johnny and just downed him and gave him the counter and still gave him vigilance as well, so. Yeah. All right, so my second card here is actually going to be... Kind of the modern era counterspell, Cancel. I really liked Cancel. I had a nice and foil and shiny version that I got from Return of Avnica. And so Cancel was just kind of one of those cards that I would put into all the blue decks because it's a generic counterspell. And when you're me and you're starting off with like that collection at the time, you don't have like original counterspell. You don't have like these really super top tier counterspells. Or even kind of like the second-ish tier. This is kind of more the mid-C tier kind of counterspells. Like it's Cancel. It does what it does. But since then, we've gotten Dissipate, we've gotten Dissolve, we've gotten the uh, the Eldrazi Dissipate, that's actually just Dissipate, but it's the Void, so it's colorless, and so it can't be, like, Pyroblasted. We've gotten three versions of Cancel that are just strictly better than Cancel. Like, I know Dissipate's been around since before Cancel, but back when I was playing, Innistrad was the first real printing that I could get my hands on it. So, that's three versions of Cancel that are just better than Cancel. Like, that's, it's not even a question anymore. The only reason I would have Cancel in this is because I would want a fourth Cancel in there. And at this point in my collection, I have original Counterspell, which is just better than Cancel too. So it's like, okay, do you really want like a sixth or seventh or even just an eighth or ninth Counterspell? Because Cancel can still do that, but you just have so many better options for Cancel. It's like, okay, thanks Cancel for helping me out, but you're not what I need right now. Yeah, I want to muted. Uh, yes, I am. Uh, but the main thing here for Cancel is, is like, yeah, it's that counter spell that's at that point now where there are a lot of other cards in Magic that are cheaper than it that can do the work that it needs to do. There's other cards in Magic that are at the same point now that does it, it, it does what it does and better. And there's cards above it and that do much more for you for the mana cost that you're going to be putting into it. And now it's at a point where it's like, yeah, you could cancel, but the amount of options that you have available to it just kind of makes it null and void to the point where it's like, yeah, you can do it, 
<laughs> but you really don't need to do it anymore. Most, yeah, there's just, there's no reason to be doing it like at all. At least with the chroma, it's yeah, she's still really good at what she does, but we have other stuff that does better stuff. This actor just ha- had his job taken away by guys who are younger, faster, and just did better stuff. Like yeah, oh this guy yeah, you be can... too old for its own good. Oh like oh yeah, you can cancel spells, sure. But this guy, this guy cancels spells and he lets me scry. Or this guy cancels and it's removed from play. Like you're just not keeping up, Bob. Sorry, we're gonna have to let you go, but them's the breaks. Here's your gold watch for all of the years of dedication you've given us, and you know here's a trophy and here's your pension. It's time for you to retire. And speaking of cards that I've had to retire. I'm going to go with Gerard, the Golgari Lich Lord, the uh, two black, two green, legendary zombie elf 2-2. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Gerard, Gerard gets plus one, plus one for each creature card in your graveyard, and you can sacrifice another creature and pay one, a black, and a green. Each opponent loses life equal to the sacrifice's creature's power, and you can sacrifice a swamp and a forest and return Gerard from your graveyard to your hand. <coughs> now, thank you. Now, there was a point where Gerard was the commander for my Golgari deck. Why? Because the ability to just sacrifice creatures, put them into the graveyard, do some damage. The deck had dredge in it, so he was always... Sorry, that was my... Summon that dragon. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, like, you know, since the deck had dredge in it, Gerard was always a little bit bigger than a 2-2 for 4, and he always had a chance of getting bigger. And if he died, I could not send him to Command Zone, just use the sacrifice, the lands and stuff to get him back, and just kind of avert his mana cost, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But then at a certain point, I just kind of got bored of playing Gerard. And I decided, you know, this was at the point a little bit before when the or other Commander product came out, where we had the Planeswalker and Commanders come in, and I decided to use Garrick Relentless as the helm of this deck, just to kind of get a chance to play around with a Commander at the top of a Commander deck, uh, play, play with a uh, Planeswalker at the top of a Commander deck, just to kind of see how it played out, you know? And then Garrick basically kind of stayed there. I never got around to ever really putting Gerard back. And then, you know... Uh, the new green black legend showed up. Marin showed up. And now she's at the helm of the deck. And in all honesty, I completely forgot that Gerard was even at the helm of this deck at one point until William happened to mention it while we were in the transition for this particular segment. And then I like back and I was like, hmm, when was the last time Gerard actually was the commander for this deck? And in looking back, it's been at least like two years. Damn. Give or take. Because Garrick, because what was it? Because what was it? Garrick became the helm of this deck when we found out about the Commander product for the summer. So yeah, it's been at least like a year and a half, something around that point. So like, don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure Gerard is still good. I'm pretty sure he can still be used as the Commander for the deck. I'm pretty sure like if I were to, you know, invest the time and the effort into putting him back, I could easily manipulate things around to make room for him. But, you know, as time has progressed, he has waned, and chances are he probably will always be a member of the deck, but may never again be the leader. Yeah, I kind of had the same issue with the third card, and third and final card that we're going to list here, and that's Rith the Awakener, where she was the first real commander I had, and, you know, it's the whole hodgepodge of, okay, I'm getting a commander, I have a sweet legend, let's go ahead, she just happens to be my three favorite colors, so let's go ahead and throw in all the cool, really big and junky stuff in there, okay, uh, spend a few weeks messing around with that, learn how to really build commander decks, and go, okay, let's go ahead, look up a list, start building her as tokens, and have fun with that, but realize that she's not really doing what I want her to do in the deck, which is make tokens, instead she's kind of getting killed, because she's a big-ass dragon. 
and people don't like getting smacked around by big ass dragons. So what do we look at? Let's look at Kahiji. Nah, Kahiji doesn't really work out for us. Okay, Marath. Marath does everything that we want for this deck, and Rith is in fact still part of the deck, kind of like Gerard is for you. But in terms of just token producing, Marath is so much better and so much easier at producing the tokens that I need. There we go. And yeah, but that becomes like one of the other key issues there, like because as we were stating. Just like with Wrath and Marath, there's two cards, do very similar things, but a newer version kind of happens to do it slightly better and isn't as a big of a target and is something that you can potentially get away with for the time being until, like, you know, the next couple of cards come out to produce tokens and then Marath falls by the rookie side. Well, but until then, Marath is king. All right, and I think that... Right, about- please, don't, please don't let Marath fall by the wayside. I love that guy. So I think that about does, unless you had anything else, Calvin. I'm going to assume that's enough. Sorry. I had to, had, had, had to move around on the um, squeaky mattress, so I had to mute so in order to not have too much background noise in that point. I already got enough stuff to edit out of this show. All right. Uh, but that's about it. Uh, I'm done with what I had to say. All right, then. then it's got, Calvin, it's about time for us to take this to the outro. In the one hour and in the one hour forty eight minutes that we've done that, I managed to completely double slave both the bless and the curse deck, get them all shuffled up, and squeeze into the cruel dual death box from Ultra Pro, where it's nice and snug, and ready for me and Ashley to do some Innistrad type battles, good versus evil. That's Yay. A, this thing's giving me quite a bit of weight though. Like I'm actually, I'm pretty sure I could actually throw it at someone and give them a nice big bruise on the head. Or you could throw it at someone and give them a nice big bruise on the butt. But, you know, that's like taking magic into a wholly different area that we don't need to be discussing here. This is a family show. Right. Family show. I didn't say it was a, I didn't say it was a functional family. It's a dysfunctional family, but still a family nonetheless. Okay. So then let's go ahead and get this going. This has been Command Cat. <sighs> Outro, intro, doesn't matter. I'm going to get interrupted. That's right. Command Cats, episode 239. I want to go ahead and thank Calvin for coming out here tonight. Hey, thanks, Calvin. Uh, uh, no problem. I'm here. I'm not queer. And I'm used to that. No, but I am. So we are go- so we got the general audience covered. So, Calvin, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Uh, if people want to reach out and touch the captain, which I wouldn't recommend since I am a married man. But, you know, if you just want to contact me. It's easy to do. All you got to do is go over to Twitter, hit me up there, at Captain Redzone, or hit me up with an email in Gmail at CaptainRedzone at gmail.com. Or you can jump over to the CommanderCast Facebook page. I'm there. William's there. The Waffle Cone is there. Clay is there. And, you know, several other CommanderCast, uh, what are we? Associates? Affiliates? Uh, staffs. Staff members? Whatever. Whatever. There's a bunch of us over there. You can enjoy our presence. Hit us up over there, and we'll hit you back. Let's see. Well, how other? What other ways can you contact the place? Uh, 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 you can. The Reddit. Listen, you can always. Yeah, you can hit us up on the Reddit. Uh, Waffle cones over there on the Reddit. If you enter Reddit, you can hit us up on Reddit. Let's see. If you want to, you can contact CommanderCast through iTunes. Go over there, iTunes. Type in CommanderCast. We're underneath the MTG Cast Network, and you can find our show there and get us a five-star review. Do we? Do we have any five-star reviews this week, William? Damn it, Pat William. Why didn't you bring this up before? See? Look at you. Told you. Told you. 
past me told you, past you to be good to future you, and past you didn't listen to past me. Now present you is looking at past you and calling you a jerk and an ass. Ah, I gotta go over to the iTunes store. So while he goes over to the iTunes store, you can always find Commander Cast on iTunes for you Apple users. And if you're on Android, you can always go over to Stitcher and hit us up there. Commander Cast is over there, and you'll find our show, Commander Cast Prime. You'll find Rivals Duel. You'll find Deck Builder Spotlight when that comes back. The Journey to Somewhere when that comes around. And the stack whenever I get around to actually remembering to edit a damn thing. And hey, if you like what we do here but you don't want to just leave comments or anything like that, we have a Patreon. And you know what? You don't even have to donate And you can that. give us the tip. One dollar. Put the tip in. Slide it right on in there. Or you can slip a little bit extra in there. Put in two dollars. Or you hit the five dollar tier and actually, you know, start getting some content. Or you can do the three dollar tier and, you know, William will thank you because you're worth a boost because we're worth a booster pack to you. Whichever. I don't really care. I don't see a time of that particular money. I just like telling people to slip the tip in. Alright, no new five-star reviews on iTunes. But hey, if you decide to leave us one, I'll read it off air. Yep, so if you want to contact William, he is W-I-E Hernandez on Twitter. No, that's that's my email. W-I-E Hernandez at gmail.com. My Twitter... W-I-E Hernandez at gmail.com. You can hit him up on Twitter at CommanderCast, or you can just email the site, CommanderCast at gmail.com. You can also follow me personally on Twitter at BlueRam1409. Yeah. So well, is that all the contact? Uh, yeah, that's all the contacts. Big thanks to everyone who on the Commandcast Network right now who's helping to produce content. You're all, you know, you guys produce content. It's awesome. People should check it out. Yay. Why aren't they? There's, there's articles over there. There's other podcasts in case you want to just go to the site and download it straight from there. You don't want to go to iTunes. You don't want to go to Stitcher. That's okay. Commandcast.com. Just go ahead. Get that stuff. All right, then. Plenty of things to read, too. Uh, what was it? We recently had, like, some Horde deck articles go up that were actually pretty good. Yeah, we have guest writers going on. If you want to write, have, write the guest articles, go ahead and send us an email, and we'll get you hooked up. Actually, if that reminds me, we have to get to Dan. I have to listen to his uh, sample audio. Music for our show is the X-Men's Heavy Metal series by 331 E-Rock. We'll see you next week with more community, strategy, and technology. Until then, let's get it! Raisin cookie. Come here, you delicious bastard. Oh, hey, the dual dice has a picture of Jason. It's boo. This is more of a. I guess it's a promotional thing. It looks like he's wearing a Innistrad cloak over his regular coat, and he's holding some sort of a diary thing, which I assume is Tommyo's journal, since that's okay. Yeah. Ooh, I think I see Audric. Yeah, I want to say that's Audric. He's got that silver fox hair. Spy Master of Trash. Nah, no, no, Audric, not Edric. Audric, the guy who had, like, a super battalion cry? Captain No Blocks. Uh, okay. 
No, Captain No Blocks. I know who you're talking about. I thought you said Edric. I was like, I didn't even know he was on Innistrad. No, no, no. I he... didn't even know there were elves on Innistrad. Not until they planeswalked those dirty bastards. So then, Calvin, what else has been going on aside from the miraculous world that is employment? Uh, let's see here. Mostly been spending time relaxing, thinking about what I'm going to be doing with myself. Hopefully get some employment going on so I can actually still have some income coming in. Because this would be the first time in about 11 years that I haven't had a job, which is kind of weird. Kind of is, yeah. I mean, on the one hand, I get it. I'm not working. But on the other hand, it's kind of like, I, I, I don't know. I haven't actually had a point now where I can just get up and have nowhere to go today or tomorrow, technically. It's like you feel like you should be doing something, but there's nothing you actually need to do. Exactly. Except for look for work. Yeah. Which I'll be doing tomorrow. And if everything goes well, then I'll have something to do. And if it doesn't, then, you know, it just means come Friday and Saturday, I'll be getting up and staring at the wall trying to figure out what to do. Hmm. I'm pretty sure I'll find something. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm not going to just sit around and not do anything. No, there's definitely going to be something. And, oh, man, I, I tipped over my Girl Scout cookies. All right. Girl Scout cookies. I need to get me a few boxes of those. Uh, I think they're only, like, four. But actually, you can order them online, believe it or not. Like, you too, that's right, Commander Cast listeners, you too can, in fact, support your local Girl Scout troop by ordering these cookies online. They're actually very fantastic. Not like, not like the, the those Boy Scouts of Americans with their exclusions and all that. Like, Girl Scouts have been doing that for years now. They, yeah, but like, Girl Scouts have cookies, and it's kind of difficult for people to, for Boy Scouts to sell popcorn. Yeah, I mean, I was telling someone today, apparently in middle school, I inadvertently joined the chess cl- club without realizing I had joined the chess club. Like, to me, it was just a place where it's like, oh, hey, I can go to this room during lunch, and they just happen to be playing chess. I enjoy playing chess. Let's just go ahead and go there for lunch. And apparently, that just got me into chess club. But when it came to, to like, raise money for the club, they're like, yeah, we're not, we're not going to do something, like, stupid. We're going to go ahead and sell trash bags. Like, everyone uses trash bags. Why don't you go ahead and buy your trash bags from us? Because then it'll actually help a local chapter, local club. And, you know what? You'll have trash bags. That's one less thing you have to pick up from the grocery store. Sounds like a plan, actually. Yeah, that was actually just brilliant. <laughs> when you think of garbage, think of the chess club. <laughs> oh, man, I can see it now. Commander Cast brand trash bags. <laughs> yeah, when you think of garbage, think of Commander Cast. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Commander Cast. This week, William and I are going to be sitting around talking about some random stuff, hoping that Clay shows up and soon... And if not, then maybe it'll be a a revisitation of last week where we'll be trying to stay extremely pumped up and excited with the power of positivity. Who knows? You'll know, because by the time you hear this, you probably would have heard the entire show by now, because chances are this is a dangly bits. In the meantime, though, I started reading The Punchline is Machismo, which is apparently a webcomic, a webcomic that Stark Maximum greatly endorses. Uh, the punchline is machismo. Okay. I'm intrigued. Go on. Okay, so I read the first, like, five comics, and apparently it's about a temp agency for really ripped video game and pop culture characters. Like, they don't, they need to uh, find actual work. So this is a temp agency that puts them into, you know, jobs where they can do their manly man things. All right. And the comic that got me to this is the TV Tropes comic, where this really 
wimpyish guy. Looks like he's getting some early training and stuff. But the commander, oh, the commander's teaching him how to lift weights, and he's such a genuinely nice guy. But this guy is fucking rich, and the dumbbells he's lifting are huge. I think like the second or third comic is like Ganondorf is one of the uh, the other temp agent guys. But Link keeps breaking into his office and breaking his flower pots and calling him a racist bastard. Hmm. Oh, no, wait a second. It's incredible. Did you hear the echo? Echo. Nope, I don't. Okay. So I'm intrigued. But I also have Vest to sleep today because I got some Gattaca and Devil Homo de- sleeves. So I'm going to be sleeping my, the dual decks I got in there. And fun fact, gotcha. the dual decks come with two spin down dice. Ooh. So which dual decks are these? These are the Blessed versus Cursed decks. Oh, that's available already. Did not know that was going to be available so soon. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I kind of stuck on them. It came out last Friday, I want to say. Hmm. I, I got these and I told Ashley there's no way that we are not playing these because one of them's a blue white spirit deck and one of them's a blue black zombie deck. And I know that she is going to be playing with the blue black zombie deck. And it comes with the exact angel token. It comes with the original angel token for Guys of St. Trout. Yay! Guys, that's his angel back. Yep. And also, today they came out with like the first fiction story piece for the Shadow Over Innistrad block. Okay. And I believe, if my insight is correct, that it is about a pair of lesbian cathars, which makes me happy. Because I, okay. I guess you kind of get the sense that they're just a, that they're a couple. Yeah, I'm okay and with there's that. nothing wrong with that. Nope. But apparently, and I, I say apparently because I got this from the people who read it, I'm only like halfway through it, but apparently it hints at a werewolf planeswalker that's going to show up in this block. Hold on, I thought there was no planeswalkers on the sheet, on that uh, card that was revealed, or like the flip cards. There were no... Oh, wait, no, you said it is block. You said it is block. Yeah. You said it is block, which means it doesn't have to be this particular set. It could be the next one. could also just be a single-faced card. So yeah, but if it's a werewolf, it would I would be kind of upset if it didn't flip over into an actual werewolf. Yeah, I know. Just, it would just feel kind of like cheating, you know? Yeah, I still want a werewolf legendary creature, which, according to that flip card, doesn't look like we're getting this set. We might still get it this block, but not this set. Well, either way, I could really care less about the legendary werewolf creature. I mean, it would be nice because it'd be a nice way to kind of finally, like, put a nail on that coffin. No pun intended, because this is Innistrad. But, you know, in the same token, it would at least be a nice way to kind of wrap up that cycle. But hey, you know, if it comes, if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, I could care less. Let's see. Ah. So do you want to know some intriguing news about what's going on in my world, William? I do, Calvin. Tell me about this intriguing news that's happening in your world. What has well, happened? Guess what happened? Well, last uh, week you were robbed at gunpoint, so what could talk that? Right. Uh, Monday, I was let go from my job, job as a dental assistant. Wait, what? Yes, I am currently unemployed. I have no work ethic. I have no job. Wait, but that's okay. How? Why? Uh, apparently, my pace was not the pace that she wanted. She needs an assistant who has more experience than what I was capable of providing. Someone who could potentially do the job of two assistants, because she could really only afford one, but she kind of needed someone who could be able to keep up with the pace. And with me currently only really having four months of experience in an actual office, 
outside of externship and stuff like that, you know, I, I don't have the experience to be able to meet the requirements that she wanted, so she let me go. Oh, it was a it was an understandable thing, you know. I get it. She needs more out of her assistant, and I was not able to provide it at the time. Does she at least give you a referral? Uh, yeah, she said I can still use her as a referral and as a reference and everything. You know, she says I'm great with patients. It's just you know. She feels as though that I need to be in a general office and not in an office that has um, as many emergencies as hers currently deals with. Okay. Does she point you towards another office that might take you? No, but that's okay because I, I was released from the job on Monday. Tuesday, I got up. I went back to my school, updated my resume, and let them know to put the, t- the amount of time that I worked in this office on my resume. Made a few extra changes to it to make it down to one page. And today, I have already received two phone calls from two dental offices that I have an interview with tomorrow, one at 8.30 in the morning and one at 2 in the afternoon. All right, that's good. I'm not worried. I'm not stressing. Uh, If if I get it, I get it. If I don't, then, you know, I just apply for unemployment and continue searching. Yep, I mean... And then, go ahead and take some tests and try to see what I can do to get myself into a much better position. Yep, like you're fresh. You actually have some office experience now. It sounds like... I went to the barbershop this morning, got myself a nice Dougie Fresh haircut. It looks like a microphone instead of a a cotton ball. (laughs) Here's something that I noticed recently, William. Yes. You know the Full Art Lands from, um, uh, what is it, Over the Gate Watch and... uh, Battle? The Battle for Zendikar? Yeah, Full Art Lands. Like the Full Art Basic Lands? Yeah, the Full Art Basic Lands. 4.0? Yeah. I've noticed that, uh... The borders on them are different from the original Four Art Lands from Zendikar. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. They changed how the border looks, starting with Cons- uh, Tarkir, remember? Yeah, no, but it's not just, like, the, like, outlining border portion. It's the, okay, on the original ones, the Four Art Lands kind of have, like, this weird, like, curved borders on the left and the right side. Okay. Slightly, kind of, slightly, like, ovalish, you know? Like, the top half of the oval and the bottom half of the oval are cut off, but you can clearly see where the oval would have extended to if you were to, like, just continue going with them. Hmm. Whereas the ones from the new set kind of have more like of a church window kind of thing, where they're curved at the top, but then they just flatten and go straight down. Go on. So when you look at them, it's like, you know, if you're not paying too close attention, you probably wouldn't have noticed. But then as I'm sitting here, like, going through them and, like, kind of just doing a pair contrast as I'm sliding them through my hands... I was like, huh, I've just noticed that these lands, even the, they're just kind of slightly different, even if it is ever so much. I mean, not counting the, you know, the Bellerant, uh, the Jace Bellerant font or anything like that, that I expected. But mm. just from, like, initial glances, I wouldn't have noticed it until just now when I started, like, looking closer. I was like, hmm, that kind of, kind of different. Ah. Kind of sucks, but oh well. That tooth collector is ah. creepier what? person. Tooth collector. So my dental assistant deck. <laughs> All right, so I guess at this point I have saber tooth tooth collector. All right, all uh, 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 to the bone. It's gonna be both of us. All right then, so we ready to get into this next one? Ah uh, yes, I think that's enough dangle bit for middle section. All right then, so going into community. Do you like the way I dangle? Do you like the way I dangle my middle section? Yeah, you do. That's why you're here. It's, it's, uh, what was it? Hypnotizing. Okay. Boros Reckoner. Captain's Call. Now I'm just naming cards. Guilty Conscience. Gutter's Knight. Uh, Dredge Mangler. It's just a... Goblin Legionnaire? Even when I'm digressing, I get interrupted. 
Madagascar.com.